you know, last week we, we talked about um, when you're going through a bad day, you take your eyes off of your situation and help somebody else who's going through the same struggle. And one, one of the points was when you do that, it helps you, it helps you with your perspective. And when you see Roberto and Yolasi's uh, situation and what they're going through, it kind of puts things in perspective for us, doesn't it? Oh, maybe I don't have it so bad after all. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? And so... So that, that is incredible. I just wanted you to see that because we partner with the, the organization Pro, Proclaim Cuba, and uh, we're, we're planning missions trips there in the future, and so if that's something on your heart, man, you can be part of that, but I wanted you to see kind of where, when you give, what happens to that? Where's it going? What are we doing with that? Amen? All right. Hey, it's St. Patrick's Day. I see a lot of green out there. Y'all looking green today. Well, talking about a bad day a minute ago, uh, let me tell you about a, a guy who had a bad day. He was working on his motorcycle right by the patio door, and uh, he, was, he cranked it, and he was revving the engine up, just pulled back on it, pulled back on the throttle, just lit, getting after it, all right? In Alabama, they say getting adder it, okay? They, they just don't even put the, the FT in there. It's adder. Getting after, man, just pulls back on the throttle. It slips into gear, crashes through the patio door into the kitchen, busts through a wall. Man, there is shrapnel everywhere. It's just stuff everywhere. It's not, it's not a good day. It's not a good start for this guy, right? So uh, his wife calls 911. The paramedics show up. They take him to the hospital. She cleans up. Uh, there's some gas spilled on the, on the floor, so she wipes it up with toilet paper, throws it in the toilet. She goes home to pick, goes to the hospital to pick up her husband and brings him back home. When he sees the damage, he's just depressed, man. This is heartache city, seeing your house like this. Your, your door is busted through. Your dining room table's falling apart. Your motorcycle's in worse shape than it was a minute ago. He's depressed. He needs a cigarette. He just goes to the bathroom, sits down on the commode, lights one up, and when he's done, throws it between his legs into the commode, and boom! That thing explodes on him. His wife runs in there, and, and she's checking on him. He is laying in the floor sobbing like a, a baby, and she calls 911 again. The same paramedics show up to take him back to the hospital. And as they're taking him out of the house, they ask, What happened to your husband? When she tells them the story, they start laughing so hard that they drop him and break his arm. Now that's a bad day right there. That is a bad day. Man. Well, our, we're, we're in the middle of this series, three weeks in, to how to live through a bad day. And, it, and, and we're not pretending like bad days aren't going to come. They're going to happen. What do we do in the middle of that? So our theme verse for this, this series is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. And we're looking at it from the message paraphrase. It's not a translation, but a, a paraphrase of the scripture. And it says this, Keep your eyes on Jesus, okay? When you're having a bad day, when you're going through trials, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. You need to take comfort in knowing that, that he didn't just start the race, but he finished the race too. He's been through what, you, what you're going through. He, he's experienced it, amen? So because he never lost sight of where he was headed, he knew the ultimate goal, he knew where, he, where, where his destination was, because he never lost sight of that, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And then right now, he's at the right hand of God the Father, 
And one translation says he's making intercession for you and me. He's, he's like an attorney at our defense, pleading our case before the Lord. That's good news. So in week one, we discovered that if, if we're going through a bad day, the first thing we have to do is we've got to forgive those who are trying to ruin our lives. We've got to let them go, right? Because if we drink the poison, it's not going to hurt them. Who's it going to hurt? Us, right? So we've got to let them go. Last week, we learned that if we're going through a bad day, the, the main thing we need to do, or the second thing, the second statement that Jesus makes, actually, he says, you, you've got to help somebody who's going through the same struggle. Man, help somebody else who's experiencing the same struggle. Take your eyes off of your issues, because we all got issues. Take your eyes off of your issues and help somebody else who's going through the same thing. That'll help you get through a bad day. And so this week, we're looking at the book of John. And, and all of these statements come from the Gospels. We have to go through all four Gospels to find these statements that Jesus makes. And they're going to help us. They're life lessons for getting through a bad day, right? Are you all ready for today? All right. Hey, here we go. Today, we're studying out of the book of John. Now, John is a strange bird. Have you ever read John's story, John's gospel? It's all about Jesus, but it, it's also, he likes to put himself in a good light, too. He refers to himself as the one who Jesus loved. Like, like he's, he's in charge of writing the book, so he's like, I just want people to know from, from, from generation to generation that I was God's favorite. I was Jesus' favorite. Like, he, he's letting you know. He's the kind of guy, like, he would invite you over to watch his highlight films. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, guys, check this out. Watch what me and Jesus did right here. You know, that, he, he likes to put himself in a good light. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? So John is, he's, he's an awesome guy, though. We like John. So we're studying from, from this statement that he makes. And all the other disciples left Jesus. They fled. They, they abandoned Jesus for one reason or another. But John is the only one who went with Jesus all the way to the cross, all the way to Calvary. John goes with Jesus. And with him there at Calvary are three ladies, all named Mary. I don't know how that works out. I don't know if like, it was for real like that or translation, but it's Mary, the mother of Jesus, her sister, also named Mary, y'all try to figure that one out now, Mary and Mary, right? Mary, Mary. Y'all didn't even know. Back then, it was Mary, Mary back then, right? So it's Mary, Mary, and then Mary Magdalene. This Mary Magdalene, is, she was one of the ladies. Jesus cast seven demons out of this lady, and, and, and she's pretty popular in Scripture. You'll see her name throughout Scripture. So Jesus' mom is there at Calvary. And I'm kind of, as I'm reading through this this week, I'm starting to think, man, I bet Jesus' bad day was becoming their bad day. Do you know what I mean? Like where, where they're taking this on themselves, especially his mom. When you think about Jesus is her oldest child. She had more children after Jesus, but he's the oldest. And now he is dying a criminal's death. He's being tortured in front of her eyes. She can't do anything about it. She can't save him. She can't rescue him this time. It's painful for her. Imagine the trauma that she's going through watching her son beaten and bruised and bloody hanging on the cross. And she can't do anything about it. And I bet that there's some point along the way where she goes, she asks herself this question, when Jesus is gone, what, what's going to happen to me? I mean, what am I going to do? 
See, Jesus was the oldest child, right? Many theologians believe that, that Joseph, her, her husband, was much older than her and that he had died many years before, leaving Jesus to take care of the family. You, you ever notice you don't read about jo- Joseph a whole lot after the birth? He's not there in Jesus' adulthood, so they believe that he had passed away and that this left Jesus to take care of the family because he's oldest and to take care of the carpentry business. So Jesus is her provider. He is her protector. He is her covering. And he is dying on the cross. What's going to happen to me in this moment? And that, this is where we pick up the story. See, jo- Jesus, in his moment of suffering, in his moment of pain, didn't think about himself. Instead, he turned his concern to his mother. And in John chapter 19, I believe it is, chapter 19, verse 26, Jesus says, when he saw his mother, when he saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, there there it is again, remember, John likes himself. There's, There's Jesus' mother and the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? He said, Jesus says, woman, and he didn't say it like that, okay, y'all don't do that. Woman, don't do it. The, the word woman here is really more of a term of endearment. It's more like ma'am, like mother, ma'am. So he's saying, mom, here is your son. Now I want you to understand this real quick. That Jesus wasn't, he wasn't drawing attention to himself. Jesus wasn't saying, look at me, mom. Look at what I'm going through. Read it and weep, baby. Look at me. Look, how, look at the pain that I'm in. He wasn't doing that. He was saying, mom. Behold your son, and he turned his attention to John, the one that he loved, right? He turned his attention to John, his closest disciple. Mom, behold your son. John, son, behold your mother. What Jesus was doing in his worst moment was transferring responsibility of his mother's care to John. And read that last line. It says that from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. So here's the third lesson that I want you to get from today. The third thing that I want you to see is that Jesus is teaching us, be sure you've taken care of those near you. That's what Jesus was doing on the cross. He wasn't saying, look at me, look how bad I've got it. No, he was saying, mom, I'm telling you, you're taken care of. I'm making sure that John's got your back from this point on. He's responsible for you. He's going to take care of you. You don't have to worry about it, mom. John and I, we already talked about it. We're good. You're going to be okay. He's taking care of those near him. And I'm asking you to do the same. When you're going through a bad day, do like Jesus and take care of those near you. See, this is the problem for us. It's a struggle for us, though, because we like to let everybody else know that we're going through a bad day. You know what I'm saying? And if I'm going through a bad day, I'm bringing you with me. Come on, somebody. You know that's how we go. That's how we roll. We're human. Man, if somebody else is having a good day near us, not for long, you're coming down, baby. You burn, baby, burn. You're not going to have a, a good day. No, not around me. That's, that's kind of how we, we roll. And we all have bad days. You can have a bad day as a 13-year-old, but a 13-year-old's bad day might be a little bit different than somebody who's 33 or 43 or 53. Come on, somebody. If you're 13 and you get grounded from Snapchat, it is just as bad as if you lost your job at 45. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, Snapchat, I can't believe you took Snapchat away from me. Mom, nobody else's parents are this mean. It's a bad day. 
when you lose those privileges. It's, I mean, you're, it's, it's a big deal. We get that. We all go through those, t- those times, and feelings are feelings. That's what it is. It's a feeling. You go through those feelings. So your bad day might be, um, it might be failing an exam. Like, man, I, I, I thought I had it, and you, you, you made a bad grade. You failed the class, whatever. Maybe that's your bad day, or maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a toxic email, right? Somebody just lets you have it on that, uh, and, and they, just, they, they just let it all out right there in email, and it hurts you, and it, it, it just offends you, right? Maybe it's your football team, like the Tennessee Vols. Man, we, we don't know what it's like to win anymore. We just, you know, we've gotten used to being losers over the last few decades because that's just the way it happens in Tennessee over the But you know what I'm saying? It's just not fun anymore. It's a bad day to be a Tennessee Vol fan. Maybe your bad day is uh, people who annoy you or they ignore you, and it hurts you. It, it brings you down. Maybe your, maybe your car breaks down. You have a flat tire. We had a flat tire this week. A screw got, got into the tire, man. Not the end of the world. It's okay. We can take care of that. It's, it's going to be all right. Maybe your bad day is losing your phone. Come on, y'all. Have y'all, have y'all lost your phone before? My wife has this thing called a tile. T-I-L-E, and you, you put it on your key ring, and then you download an app on your phone. And so if you lose your phone and you have your keys, you, you can press this button, and it will ring your phone, and you can find your phone. It's awesome because I would say 100% of the time when we leave the house, she, she's lost her phone. She doesn't know where it is. She's like, where's, where's my phone? I don't know where my So this is awesome. Or if you lose your keys... Then you, and you have the app, then you just do the same thing and it finds your keys for you. But if you lose both of them, I don't know what you do. You just, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're done. So losing your phones, it's a bad day. It can, it can set the day off in the wrong direction. Financial situations, debt, the pressure of debt and education and school and kids, college funds, and all of those things can, can wear on us. Slumps at work where you thought you were doing good, but the boss had a different review for you. It's a bad day, right? Maybe you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, just get in a bad mood, and it follows you around all day long. And here's the problem. When, when that happens, when, when those bad days follow you, you start to relate that way to everybody else, and you start wounding people that are close to you. You start saying things that you, you don't mean. You know what I'm saying? You, you start wounding people near you. Are you following me? So here's, here's one. I think this is a big deal for us Americans is that we, we will often uh, build our worth based on our work. You heard me, right? We, we, will, we, will, build our, we, we will base our worth off of our work. If things are going great at work, oh, man, they're going great at home. But if they're not going great at work, it's not going to go good at home. And so we, we build our value and our worth based on how things are at work. So if you have a bad day at work, man, you get frustrated, you mad, you pull out of the parking lot, you are just waiting on somebody to do you wrong. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're waiting on somebody to cut you off in traffic so you can tell them they're number one. You know what I mean? You're number one. Hey, you get frustrated. Man, you're, you're, you're driving to your neighborhood, and, and somebody has got your street blocked. They're out there talking like it's no big deal. You're writing their license plate number down on a piece of paper. You're like, I'm calling the neighborhood police on this one, buddy. You will be getting a letter. 
You're just mad. You pull into your driveway. You pull in, in your driveway and somebody has left their bicycle in your parking spot. You get out. You throw it into the yard to, to find out it's Johnny's bike. And he lives across the street. And he runs home crying to his dad. And then you realize the dogs have gotten to the trash. And there's roast rice and gravy strewn all over the yard. And dirty diapers everywhere. And it just keeps piling up. Then you walk inside and your wife's on the phone. She's like, hey, hey I'm ordering some stuff online. <laughs> and you're like... There's 35 boxes on the, on the porch. Come on. You're just waiting for somebody to acknowledge you're having a bad day. So you handle it differently. Some of us go into silent treatment. You, do, you don't say a word, but you do everything with loud motions. You start vacuuming. You're like, come on. Just, you start washing dishes in big circles like this, just chunking them into the next, the next sink over. And you, you just get frustrated. You're waiting on somebody to go, how was your day? Right? <laughs> How are you? What's, what's going on? Then you, then you, if you don't do it that way, maybe you have the pouty face. You just walk in. You don't say anything, but you get your, your lip is just poked out. You know, you, you just have the pouty face. Or you go into isolation. You go hide in the back room. You come out 45 seconds later like, why haven't you come to check on me? I've, I've been back here for 45 seconds, and you haven't even checked on me yet. It's frustrated. You get mad about it. And, and if you're not careful, you say things, you do things, it gets toxic. And you hurt people close to you. And you know what I'm talking about because we've all been there. We've all done it before. And, and it's really not what God wants, right? It's not where He wants us to be. So when we have a bad day, what Jesus is doing, He's teaching us to consider people. Man, consider people better than ourselves. Don't project the pain on the people closest to us. They didn't do anything to deserve this. Don't transfer the trial. Don't, don't put it on somebody else. No, it's, it's, it's you. Protect them from the bad day that you're having. So in order to do that, we need God's help. Can I get a witness? Man, we need God's help in order to do this. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it on our own, but we can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives us strength. Nothing is impossible through God. We can do this with God. So we need His presence. We need His power. But there are four decisions that you can make when you're going through a bad day. And I, I want to help you with those real quick. Number one, the first decision, if you're taking notes today, write this down. The first decision you can make is identify the real problem. Well, I know what the real problem is. It's Miss Thang. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. I know what the real problem is. My boss, he's a jerk. I know what the real problem is. It's my neighbor. Whatever. no. Listen, Ephesians says it this way. In chapter 6, verse 12, it says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I'm not fighting against George over here. No, no, no. Our struggle, it's, it's against rulers. And we're not talking about mayors and government officials. No. It's against the authorities. Not, not people we've elected in the office. No. It's against the powers of this dark world. And against, I love this line right here, the forces of evil in heavenly realms. That's our fight. That's our fight. You see, we don't believe there's a devil under every rock. In fact, there's only one devil. And, and he's not omnipresent. He can't possibly be missing with all of us at one time. So we can't blame, oh, it's the devil, man. He made me do it. No, th but there is a spiritual side. There, there is an enemy who is at war against your soul. Do you know that? He is... And, and so we have to identify the real problem is not people, it's 
It's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual issue, and, and people are not the problem. You're not my problem. I'm not your problem. No, it's a spiritual deal. So, so we have to identify that, realize that. Maybe, maybe you need to take a chill pill, right? Oh, that's so 2000s. That's what you're thinking. Like, oh, oh, that's so 2008, Pastor Ben. I mean, like, like that's, that's just old hat, man. You wouldn't even say old hat because that's not even like, right? Take a chill pill. Some of you need to refill the prescription on the chill pill. Like, like you, you just need to, oh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. It's not the end of the world. It's not. It's going to be okay. But we go into this me fest when we have a bad day, and it's like all about me. We just, it's, it's like we start making blanket, blanket statements like, well, you always, and you never, and, and I always do this. I've never done that. And you and this and that, we start making these blanket statements when we're going through a bad day. So I heard a story recently of a guy who went to lunch with a friend who was having a bad time at work. It was a struggle at work. And he asked his friend, he said, man, tell me about this struggle at work, like on a scale of 1 to 10. How bad is it? And he's like, man, 10. It's a 10 plus. It's bad. It's like, really? It's bad? Like, like it's as bad as losing a spouse? Like maybe, maybe getting diagnosed with a life-threatening illness? <laughs> maybe it's, it's as bad as like a family member going through addiction? And he's like, uh, maybe, maybe it's more like a 5 or a 6. It's probably not a 10. 5 or a 6. Oh, okay, so it's like you lost your job and you can't afford your house payment, and, and they're foreclosing on you, and, and you've ran out of food stamps, and you can't feed your family the rest of this month, and you're in the middle of the month. You can't take care of your family. It's, it's bad. Uh, it's probably more like a three or a four then. I mean, it's not like, not like that. Oh, so what you're telling me is like your computer crashed, and you lost everything. Car, car got broken into, stole your checkbook. You're having to relocate because you, you, you lost your job. I mean, like three or four. Ah, it's probably a one and a half. Okay, then. Well, that's not quite as bad as a 10, right? But in the moment, we think, oh, it's a 10. It's a 10. But it's really about a one and a half. And we start making blanket statements to people and, and hurting people and saying things to people. And it frustrates them. It hurts them. It wounds them. And... Uh, We've got to identify the problem. We, we just have to realize it's not people. You may, here's the truth. The truth is you might be wounded at work. You may be hurt because of work, but that doesn't mean there's a problem with your spouse. You may be wounded at work, but that doesn't mean there's a problem with your kids. Come on, I'm preaching better than y'all are. Amen and right here. Preaching. So... We've got to identify the problem. Number two, avoid the pity party. Avoid the pity party. Man, I'm telling you, don't even open up the invitation when it comes in the mail. Look at the return address. Don't even open it up. Don't accept the invitation. Return to sender. That's right. Hey, I've thrown some pity parties in my lifetime. You know what I'm talking about? Pity parties, they, they can be fun because there ain't no party like a pity party because the pity party don't stop. You know what I'm saying? Pity parties. I just, we like for people to feel bad for us. We want, them to, we want them to know, hey, I'm struggling over here. And, and there's nothing really you can do about it. <laughs> but you can say nice things and it'll make me feel better at least, right? 
So this, this pity party, even in our painful moments, even when things are going rough for us, it's not God's will for you to wallow in the pity. Oh, poor pitiful me. No, First Peter says it this way, chapter 5, verse 7. He says, give all your worries and cares to God. Why? Why does he want you to give them to God? Anybody know? Because he cares about you, yes. He cares about you. That's why you give them to God. He's the only one capable of carrying your pain, carrying your worries. One of my favorite movies is Tommy Boy. Any fans in here of Tommy Boy? Love Tommy Boy. Such a good movie. Well, there's a scene in the movie where he's at this restaurant with David Spade, and it's the scene where he's telling Helen why he stinks as a salesperson. And he's got this roll in his hand, and he's illustrating with this roll. Like, this, is my, this is my pet. I just love my pet. Well, some of you are like that. You have this pet care. Oh, it's always there. And you just love your little pet. You just love your care. It's so precious. You, it's a naughty, naughty pet care. You love it. You feed it, and you, you just cuddle it, and you coddle it. It's, it's a precious pet care. But it's not a pet care. It's a python. And it will choke the very life out of you. Are you with me? Oh, you think it's just so precious. Oh, it's just, oh, you start to coddle it and rock it and love, oh, I just love my pet care. But it will choke the very life out of you. It will convince you there is no hope. It will convince you there is no way. It will convince you there's no freedom, there's no grace, there's no truth. You're always going to struggle with this issue. It will convince you that there's no way out. But I'm telling you, that's why you got to cast your care. you got to throw it as far as you can to God because he cares for you. Come on, give praise, somebody. God is good and he cares for you the word another translation says cast your care and and the the phrase for that the the a better way to say it might be to throw your care onto god to throw your care if you throw it the only way you get it back is if you go pick it up yeah don't pick it back up just throw it leave it cast it get it out of your life so avoid the pity party. Number three, we're going to live a connected life. We ha- we're going to make this decision in, in our bad day to live a connected life, a life that's connected. And, and Jesus, while, while Jesus is on the cross, he's forging family. He's taking care of those closest to him. He's, he's connecting his mother with somebody who will take care of her. He's, he's taking care of those around him. Listen, he's a family guy. I believe that. And I I love family. Family time, family vacation is great. We need it in our lives. But I'm telling you this. There's no better way to build your family than right here in the house of God. A to the man. You know what I'm saying? There's no better way. You, you, You can't lead your family well if you don't lead them in the house of God. You've, you've got to get them here. You can have all the family time you want, but if, if, you, if you're not getting connected and rooted and grounded to other believers and community, and if you're not discipling, and if you're not making a difference in this life, if you're not taking next steps with Jesus, it's all for nothing. You have a great family, but, but man, at the end it won't matter. Get in the house of God. Oh, man, you're just saying that just because you, you want to... You want people here. Listen, you can go to any life-giving church in our city, and that principle will work. 
It will work. Get connected to other people. Get connected in a body. I want to take a look at a guy named Cornelius real quick. He's in the New Testament. And this is, this is about Cornelius. This is, uh, uh, I believe it's Acts chapter 10, verse 2. And it says this. It says, Cornelius was a devout man who feared God. But notice, he feared God with all of his household. Like, he, he didn't, it wasn't just him. Like, it wasn't his decision. decision. It wasn't like, man, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go there. No, he brought his whole family. This was a family affair. We're, we're going to do this together. We, not me. We're in this together. He brought us, he, he raised his family well in the house of God. And then it says that they gave alms generously. Can I tell you that, that when you're living a selfish life, the only thing it's going to produce is selfishness? When it's all about you, when it's all about me and mine, and i got to do this, and, and I'm going to take care of this, and me, 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 all that's going to produce in those around you is the same thing. In fact, it'll run some people off, right? Because they don't want to be around that kind of the attitude. But the only thing that will break selfishness is generosity. And I love the hints of generosity here. Like when, when you step out of your comfort zone, when you give, when you tithe, when you bring offerings, when you take care of people around you, when you pay it forward at the drive through when you buy somebody's groceries at the store, when you do that, it breaks selfishness off of your life. Amen? It does. And I want you to notice this one last thing, that he prayed always. He prayed always. In other words, he didn't just pray when things were falling apart. Man, we're, we're good at that sometimes as the church. We're like, oh man, things aren't going well. i got to hit my knees and pray. But no, he prayed when things were going good. He prayed when things were flowing well. He prayed when, th- when, when, when he really didn't need the Lord. You know what I'm saying? He sets that example for us, and that's living a connected life. The, the, the last thing I want you to see, the last decision that you, you can make when you're going through a bad day is look to the sun. Look to the sun. That's S-O-N. Look to the sun. He's the answer, guys. He's the solution. We started this, this uh, sermon today, and, and our theme verse, the very first line of it says, Keep your eyes on Jesus. One translation says, Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. How do you endure, Ben? How do you make it? How do you do it like Jesus did? How, how, how do you endure? Look to the sun. Keep your eyes on Jesus. That's the only way. We, that's the only way. So this principle has played out for, for me and Annalise on many levels. It's been instrumental in our lives. When I was seven years old, my, my dad passed away. He had been battling colon cancer for a while. And uh, on his very last chemotherapy treatment, which was experimental, they were doing back, it was the 80s, they did this experimental treatment. And, and on the last treatment, his blood platelets went haywire and he went into renal failure and dialysis couldn't correct it and so he passed away 36 years old my mom becomes a widow a single mom of three boys 
And if I learned this principle from anybody, I think I learned it from her. She's the most godly woman I've ever known in my life. And she taught us, look to the sun. He, he's our answer. He's our supplier. When, gro- when, when we didn't have groceries, they showed up on the doorstep. People took care of us. I mean, we just looked to the sun. All right, God, we're looking to you. We don't have the answers. Fast forward many years later, Annalise and I had gotten married, and we moved to Alabama. And right after we moved to Alabama, my mom was diagnosed with colon cancer. And, uh, and then not long after that, it was thyroid cancer. And she was doing treatments and procedures and all these different things to take care of the problems and to fix the issues. And uh, she, she didn't want to project her pain on us. She probably took this to a whole nother level. She was protecting us like crazy. She wouldn't let on that it was as bad as, as, it, as it was. She wouldn't let on that she was having any issues. She, she wanted to take care of those closest to her. Well, in one of the procedures, they perforated her colon, and they didn't realize that. And so weeks went by, and she had to have blood transfusions. And this happened repeatedly, month after month, blood transfusions, hospitalizations, blood transfusions. And I, did, I lived in Alabama. I didn't really know what was going on too much. But even my brothers who lived close, she protected them from it. She, she didn't want them to, to know what was really happening. And one night we were sitting in, in a restaurant in Chattanooga. We kind of met in Chattanooga. We're having dinner. And right before my eyes, she, she just kind of goes into the, like this. She about passes out. She, she just white as a ghost and loses all ability to just kind of function and she was having one of these episodes where she was low on blood and and she was more frustrated that I saw it than it was actually happening because she didn't want me to know what was going on well long story short they decided that the best thing for for her is to do a colostomy and that would take care of the issue and she'd be good so I drove up to East Tennessee the night before her surgery and we we talked for a little bit and and she was in good spirit. She was chipper, looking forward to the next day. Because, man, is, even as different as this is going to be, at least I'll have some normalcy to life. I won't have to be in the hospital every couple weeks. And she was just at peace. And the next morning, I went back up to the hospital. We prayed. And they willed her back. But I didn't know that that would be the very last time I'd see her. She, she died during the operation of cardiac arrest. 366 days later, we're visiting my, my mom's family in Middle Tennessee, and we're, we're just kind of hanging out on the anniversary of my mom's passing. And at 1 o'clock in the morning, on 366 days later, I get a phone call from my sister-in-law, Annalise's oldest brother's wife, and she says, hey, they found Willie face down in, in the bedroom lifeless he's passed away of a massive heart attack her dad passed away and in those moments the hurt the pain and i hear you going oh man oh yeah some of you know what that feels like like in those moments for us there was nowhere else to turn there was nowhere else to look 
There, there wasn't anything else that could bring us peace. There was nothing else that could comfort us. There was nothing else that could restore our soul. There was nothing else that could bring us hope, that could bring us freedom. There was nothing else that could bring life to us. We had to look to the Son, Jesus Christ. It's like Psalm 121 says. It says, "Where I look... I lift my eyes to the mountains. I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? Come on, say it with me. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Come on, give God praise today. That's where our help comes from. Amen. That's where our help comes from. Would you bow your heads with me today? And let me just ask you, Our closing question, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? What's he speaking into your life today? You have a heavenly father who knows exactly what you are going through because his son Jesus dealt with it. He knows the pain. He knows the hurt. He's been through that. And maybe you're here today, you're going through a season. Let me just pray for you right now that if you're going through a season a bad day God I'm asking you to to just show us remind this church that people aren't the problem our issue isn't somebody else Lord it's a spiritual battle that we're in God remind us that there, there, it's not your will for us to wallow in the pity and to wallow in the, in, in the, the hurt and the pain to, and to transfer the trauma to somebody else, to project the pain on somebody else. That's not your will, God. God, teach us in those moments that we have to connect with somebody else. We have to connect with others, a life-giving body that will encourage us, Lord. And if you're here today, you're far from God. Maybe you've been running from God. Maybe you've, been, maybe you've been going the other direction. Maybe you're not just in a bad day, but you're in a bad season, a, a bad week, month, a, a decade long of, of bad days. The only solution for you is to look to the sun. That's where your help comes from. And so if you're here today and you're ready for life change, you're ready to surrender to God, you're ready to, to, to just turn back to Him, You've been doing things your way, but you realize, man, I I can't do this anymore. I've got to turn to God. I surrender to Him today. Let me encourage you to know that He's waiting on you with open arms. He's so proud of you. He's a loving Father. And if you're ready to give your life to Jesus, to surrender to Him today, if that's you, just lift up your hand and let me see. It's just between me and you. It's, It's just your way of making a decision to say, I am going to follow Jesus. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Who else here today? Anybody else? Ben, that's me. I'm turning back to God. I'm running back to God. I can't do this on my own anymore. I need Jesus. I need need Him. I'm looking to Him today. If that's you, just lift up your hand. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, say this prayer with me today. Jesus, thank you for loving me. You are so good. I surrender. Not my way, but your way. I choose you. I believe in you. I confess you as Lord and Savior. You're everything I need. My hope is in you. 
I have decided to follow you from this day forward. You are my God. I'm your son or daughter. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God thanks today for several people who said, that's me. I'm coming back to Jesus today. That's the most important decision we can make in, in, our, in our lives is look to Him. Look to Him. Come back to Him. Amen.